Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. I don't know how many of you have ever watched, you know, CSI Vegas. And it's a question that hopefully throughout the process of this series will become more and more real to you that you will get to know who you really are versus who you uh, think you are and who other people want you to be. So let's stand, hold our Bibles up high, hold your iPads up high, your iPhones, whatever you have. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And uh, that is the question, I think, throughout our lives that we, from time to time, ask, who am I? Well, you know, oftentimes the response to that is uh, child of, and even biblically, uh, they referenced who they were, Simon Barjona, uh, Simon the son of uh, Barjona, that's what it meant. And so we oftentimes see ourselves independent of our families, but we see ourselves in light of uh, the environment that we in which we grew up, and so we we somehow lose our identity, and in the midst of being reared or raised, whatever part of the country you're from, um, we become who we are. In fact, oftentimes you will see that uh, children grow up and take on the profession of their father oftentimes, and nowadays uh, maybe even their mother, that they aspire to be who their parents are do, by doing what their parents do. I was much of a game last night, but I was watching basketball, and uh, when I, you know, they were kind of doing this thing with Steph Curry and, and uh, Kyle Thompson, and, and both of their fathers played basketball, so you could see that even though they're developing their own style and identity, they grew up in an environment that caused them to either fall in love with it, which I would assume they did uh, based on how talented they are. Oftentimes, however, we become uh, professionally what our parents were, not because introduced to it at an early age and went, well, it worked for them, it'll work for me. So we really don't know who we are, and I don't think a lot of times it's a parent's intention to manipulate their children to do what they did, but sometimes that is really what happens because it did work for them. They felt good about it, and they think that it'll work for you. Now, with that said, uh, going back last week to last week's, I want to turn there, Genesis chapter 3, uh, we often thing, but when we question ourselves out of fear and, and really can't identify who we really are, 
and can't identify who God really made us and what we're called to be and who we're called to be, it can be very disheartening, fearful, confusing, because we, we really are in, in search of finding out why God put us here and why we are here at this particular time on earth. And a lot of our life is lost trying to uh, find out who we are and trying to find out who we need to be in order to navigate life and in order to gain approval from other people that we, uh, we value, their relationship, and we value them. And as a result of that, we, it, we're oftentimes very lost. We're insecure. Uh, we're unsure. We feel insufficient, like we're not enough. Uh, we lack confidence. So many things happen that begin to uh, steal from us the life that Jesus came to give us. The Bible says the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. So we know that there's a devil today just like there was in Genesis chapter 3. And so I've been doing this thing, it seems like, just trying to bring common sense, just investigate what makes common, what makes sense to us uh, in our lives and trying to make sense of life. And so in Genesis chapter 3 is the actual genesis of manipulation. And uh, that word is something used uh, kind of lightly. Nobody really thinks through it, I don't think. We just, well, you know, I've been manipulated. Somebody manipulated me or I manipulated or so-and-so's a manipulator. It's almost like narcissism. Manipulation or becoming a manipulator is really about us trying to get our own way and stay in our comfort zone. In other words, every decision we make is centered around us how to self-preserve, how to get other people to like us, how to get other people to find worth and value in us. And rather than identifying and being authentically us, we live our lives for the approval of others and to maintain relationships and friendships. And certainly in every relationship, there is, there is that middle ground to where we, we uh, try, if you will, to use the word compromise and, and there is compromise in marriage and relationships, but there should never be a relationship where one person always gets their way. And oftentimes, a manipulator has beat someone down so hard, so long, so consistently uh, that the relationship is unhealthy, but the manipulator doesn't perceive it that way because they always get their way. And if a person's always getting their way, there's... Don't elbow your spouse. But the reality is, it is a... I knew a couple once that, uh, and, and, and I was, you know, it was a couple I knew, and, and they were having real serious marital problems, and, and so they finally decided to go to counseling, which was a really great move. If you don't believe in counseling, you should, because we all need help. And so they went separately with them and kind of getting to know who they were and what their per perceived perception of the problem was. And uh, so as he met with them, they, he could tell they were on totally two different pages. And with the one spouse, he, they, when they finally came together, you know, they, they started talking and he could see the contrast. But he finally looked at the husband and said, you know what? Why would anybody want to argue with you? You always want your way. 
And finally, your spouse has quit arguing with you. Because he said, well, she won't talk to me. She shut down. He said, why wouldn't she shut down? You win every argument. In other words, your goal is to win the argument, to prove you're right. The goal isn't to try to find some middle ground where you can function and you can be healthy. And this is what happens if a true manipulator uh, operates consistently in that to get their way. It's, it's a control feature. It's like a Jezebel spirit that, that comes upon a person and their goal is to get their way all the time. Then that's your problem. That means you're probably a manipulator and I've exposed you. And that's not my goal, but I guess it kind of is. Because you're not going to be happy because of the control. They want free. They've been incarcerated by your opinion. They've been incarcerated by your yelling. They've been incarcerated by your threats. And, and they're saying, now I can't do this anymore. It's a very been watching online. You have the you have anybody that says I'm really healthy. I, I know I have tendencies because we all do. We all have tendencies to manipulate and we all have tendencies to be manipulated. The idea or the goal here is to wake up every day and realize that I don't want to be either. I want to uh, consider others and consider my own convictions and, and at the end of the day if we can't come to some kind of agreement that we still agree we love each other. That's the ultimate goal. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say? The serpent opposes God and God's mandate. He said you can eat from any tree in the garden. The serpent didn't just come and, 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 and threaten them. It's, it's seduction. It's every way manipulative. Uh, the serpent knew what God said. He was there. He knew. That's how come he was able to say, Oftentimes, manipulation comes in the form of, did God really say, love your neighbor as you love yourself? Did God really say, when someone hits you on one cheek, turn the other? Come on, that's old. That's outdated. When somebody hits me, they're going to get hit back. <laughs> did God really say and mean forgive? I mean, God couldn't have been talking about my situation because my situation's unique. God, I mean, God might have been talking about something, but he ain't talking to me because I know. But we begin to question. That is one form of manipulation is when someone says, well, you know, you, know, you, 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 know, you, you really don't need to forgive your spouse. I mean, come on, they've been really mean to you. And, and, and you know, you think they're being a friend. 
step up and say, let's look at what the Bible says about this. And let's, let's challenge each other to do what the Bible says. Decisions based on how we feel. As a matter of fact, Benjamin Desiree said, my idea of an agreeable person is a person who agrees with me. So I've had actually had friends that I challenged that said, you know, why, you know, they get all defensive. I'm saying, you know what, I'm just, I, if I'm not, if it's wrong or if I perceive it's wrong. Now, at the end of the conversation, it doesn't mean I'm not going to love you or like you. But the reality is we just need to learn to disagree, agree to disagree. But a, a controlling person, a narcissistic person, a manipulative person cannot settle on agreeing to disagree because they're so set on you embracing their opinion. healthy. Everybody has opinions and opinions are fine. But when you expect everybody to embrace your opinion and when they don't, you get mad at them or you give them the silent treatment, that is manipulation. Because we all want to be right. We're fallen creatures. We all want everybody to agree with us. Guess what? It doesn't happen all the time. And if you say, well, it does in my family, then you are a manipulator. I always am in great fear and concern of couples who say, we've never argued. You are dysfunctional. You want me to applaud the fact that you and your spouse never argue? You are not human. You're both in deception and in severe need of counseling. It doesn't mean that you don't get along. Yeah, you should get along. And I love it when couples say, you know, we've learned to argue redemptively. I can go there. We've learned to disagree redemptively. I'm good with that. But to act like you never disagree or have disagreements, I'm sorry. There is something wrong with that because we are human beings. It's impossible if you are married. I like doing funerals better than weddings. At least the person's dead, I can smile and say... They're facing Jesus. When I say, uh, do you take her to be your husband? Do you take her to be your wife? I'm thinking, You're facing a lot of challenge. <laughs> Not us. We're in love. <laughs> Save me the syrup. The reality is it, marriage is wonderful because marriage challenges us to do what Paul said die every day because you have to die to yourself. I believe that's the reason for marriage. One of the great reasons for marriage is God says, I want you to think about others, not just you. Husbands, I want you to treat your wife as Christ treated the church and love her the way Christ did. Be willing to die for her. Oh, women, really? You're going to sit there like that? I just propped you up. I need to come and teach the women's Bible study up in here. 
I just gave y'all like the biggest props ever. That's right, honey. You heard what he said. You'd be willing to lay your life down for me. Because <laughs> that's what the Bible says. And it talks about women, love your husband, submit. To, but see, submission is a response to someone willing to die for you. If they ain't willing to die. If your husband says submit, you look at him and say die. <laughs> That's how this Bible thing works right up in here. When you're really willing to die, I'm willing to submit. Then die, suck a die. <laughs> Manipulation seeks its own way. Satan said, did God really say? Now, it shifts when, when someone can't get you to do what they want you to do by seductive means, they will oftentimes move to threats. They'll move, they'll move to ultimatums. If you don't do it this way, here's what I'll do. Now, I don't, please understand, a lot of this is subject to intention, motivation, heart, not every time that manipulative. God leads, he does. But most of the time, you have to check yourself. I have to check myself and go, why am I making that decision? Do I want to cause you pain? Do I want you to feel a certain way and, and I start trying to make you feel that way? If, if so, then redemptively. In other words, I want you to feel pain. I want you to hurt. I want something to be missing in your life. That is manipulation, and it's horrible, folks. Listen to me. Happens all the time. Why? Because it began right Say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. He knew the answer to the question. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. And you know what? Satan is a liar, but in this moment, he was, it sounded partially true is a partial lie. Am I right? There's a partial truth, which means it's a partial lie. No, they would not physically die, but spiritually they die. That moment, the serpent knew more than Eve because Eve did not understand, but the serpent knew if I can get their soul, and in that moment, it was accurate because they would be separated from God, which is why Jesus came, because now we're no longer controlled by the flesh or demonic spirits, but we can be controlled by the Spirit of God. Amen. So Jesus has to come to die. We no longer have to live under the authority and dominion of darkness that Colossians says we've been delivered out from and brought into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Now we have the power and authority to walk free from that, but you have to choose to. Because manipulation still operates throughout the earth. Now, the very first uh, button, I'm going to call these buttons. How many of you know I know the bo what buttons to push? You know, you've heard people say, I know the buttons to push. You know what I'm saying? And, and typically, if you to get the response you want, it's like going up to a vending machine, D1, payday. <laughs> clink, 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 push. And you know the payday button to push on your spouse. You know what button it is. The very first button in the manipulation arena is you have a disease to please. 
And this is an emotion or a perception at this point, not an action. It's, it's, how, you, it's how you have a conversation. It's, it's not anything you do. It's, it's more what you say and creating a perception that, that you want people to think about you. How many of you have ever been around people who in public are very sweet, very kind, and behind the scenes conniving? Don't raise your hand. You'll have to identify that person or your spouse is going to drive you nuts. But we all have a public persona, if you will. We all hate it. I mean, certainly there are reasons that you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And, you know, Paul talked about eating meat, sacrifice to idols if it offends someone. I'm not talking about that kind of offense. I'm, I'm saying that there is a persona that you want people to believe this is who you are because you don't know who you are, but you think it's who they want you to be. So you behave in the way that they want you to be. And I'm not talking about politeness is always good. That's not manipulation. Being kind is always good. But I'm saying what's your motivation behind it? Is to get people to believe you are who you want them to believe you are? Or is it because you just know, I just want to be kind, I, don't, I just want these, you know, you're not trying to win them to you, you're just trying to be a blessing to them. You see what I'm saying? Manipulation, it's all about you and how you can get them to like you versus how you can, you're liking them and caring for them. Make sense? Five of you, thank you. Anyway, perception, how many of you have heard perception is reality? So whatever people perceive becomes their reality. And so your idea is, when you're having a conversation, you're not thinking about what you really think or what you really feel. You're thinking about what they want to hear so that they will like you. You don't dare disagree in, in the conversation because in that conversation, if you disagree, it will become unpleasant. That's how come you, a real friend will say, eh, you know, I'm not sure I agree with that thought. But if you're not a real friend and you have this thought differently than theirs, then you will sit there and you will go, I'm going to go, oh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Then you walk away and talk to somebody else and go, they're really lost their marbles. <laughs> that, you see what I'm saying? That would tell me there's a little manipulation going on. And when I realized uh, that I had those tendencies, and we all do, and I was giving in to them, and I would say things to people like, yeah, we want to get together. I'd say, oh, yeah, we got to do that sometime. Walk away go, that ain't ever going to happen. It's manipulation. What you're saying is I want to please them. The Bible says that we're called to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what we're, our target, our goal is to please him. Uh, one person said, if you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. If you displease God, it doesn't matter who you please. So ask yourself the question when you're in a conversation or in a situation, who am I pleasing here and what is my goal? So if your goal is to please somebody else and make somebody else happy, guess what? You're probably going to be unhappy. Matter of fact, I think oftentimes in life people live unhappy because their whole, they've been trained to say the right things to the right people in the right way, at the right time, in the right place. And I'm not saying be impolite. I'm just saying be authentic. Be authentically you. I mean, there's a hidden hippie in a lot of y'all. If you're over 50, you got a hidden hippie, but you quit dressing like that because you just thought it wasn't right when you get a certain age. I'm going to dress the way I want to dress. I don't care how old I am. I'll be wearing this at 95 in the nursery. How many of you heard, well, you, you need to dress your age? Who says? Who, who created the rule? Dress. I'm going to dress however I want to dress up in here. 
But isn't it funny? I mean, you will never catch me in a one-piece polyester jumpsuit. My uncle, I saw him one time, this was years ago, and I was in a store, and he came walking in, and he had on one of these powder blue, full man suit, jumpsuit, polyester with a belt buckle. I went, oh, Jesus, nobody's old enough to wear one of those. But, you know, you're convinced, based on societal standards and norms, that at a certain age you're expected to dress a certain way and act a certain way. And, and you're not happy, but everybody else is happy because now you look and think, oh, isn't he a cute old man? I ain't going to be a cute old man. If I had thick hair, I'd be a bippy hippie. It's who you are. And you're living out somebody else's dream and somebody else's purpose and somebody else's life. You got to keep it real. Now, I'm just going to go around and shock everybody. Look, man, if you can't if you can't fly hippie good, don't be one. And I mean, man, if you were created, well, nobody was created for the double knit polyester, man. Whoever invented, but it doesn't wrinkle. Get an iron. Now, some of you have one of those hanging up at home, and right now, you hate me. And I get that. But if you hate you, you don't care what I say. You'd be You see what I'm saying? I have a daughter who is bohemian, man. She lives in Miami now. And, and, you know, she'd come to church barefoot, ragged jeans. People said, what do you think? I said, that's my daughter. I never, be, I never said, honey, you got to wear this to church. I said, just come to church, man. She'd just come barefoot. And people would ask me, I said, I, I don't care. Full blown. She had no disease to please. And you know what? That's why she and I have always been close. She's authentically her. There's one thing. I, 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 when I call Evangeline, I know at all. I just know that she's going to tell the truth. She's going to say it. And she's not going to yell it. She's just going to say it. That's what I love about her. I can tell she's her, man. She is her. I love people who are them now. Now, if you want to come up and tell me anything ugly about this sermon, you ain't being you. You just be. Buy someone lunch and talk about me. All right. <laughs> Approval addiction is not based on perception but action. You do things, not just feel like you. Okay? You, you don't do them because you want to do them. You do them because you want them to like you. And, I'm, I'm, you know, people laughed about this for years. But one time I was, oh, when I first had my first ministry job, The pastor's son called me one day and said, what are you doing? Well, first off, when somebody asks you what you're doing, say, why do you ask? Don't ever answer without asking why. Because if you say nothing, they might say like he did. Well, then, can you come and help me move? Because I told him I was doing nothing. So what do I say to that? Well, then I found out. I said, why are you moving? He said, well, there's a snake in the house, and we can't find it. Sure, I want to get involved with that. 
It's always been my dream to move furniture without knowing where the snake is. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Matter of fact, can you find other people? Can we start a I can't find the snake in my house website? From that day forward, I said no ever again. No, no. I, and somebody asked me what I'm doing. I said, why do you ask? Well, because I got something to do. Well, then I'm doing something. I'm busy. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you. Because a lot of people say, sure I will. Because then they'll say, you know, they always, anytime I call, you, you have this need, this, and you act, and when you get done, you're mad. So if you go help you shouldn't go help them. If you're, I can't believe they always call me. When they move, they always call me. Why wouldn't they call you? You're an easy target. I know Bobby will help me. He always does. And Bobby always helps and always comes home to his wife going, I can't believe it. Don't ever take their calls. Change our number. <laughs> You're afraid they won't like you, approve of you. You are vulnerable to manipulation because you're always not thinking about authentically you. You're thinking about how everybody perceives you, what everybody thinks about you, how you act. Before they ask a question, you're thinking, how do they want me to respond versus thinking about what they're asking and saying, well, you know, I have a good idea, but that's not what they want to hear. They don't want to hear my good idea. They don't want to hear what I really think. They don't really want help. What they want is they want somebody to just rubber stamp whatever it is they, they're doing. Well, if you're a real friend, you'll be honest but kind. And you know what? At the end of the conversation, if you still disagree, you'll see if you're real friends or not. Because if you're real friends, you can disagree and continue forward. If you're not, one person takes the ball and goes home. It's not what I call a real friend. A real friend sticks with you in the midst of every disagreement, loves you kind, laugh together, everything's great because neither one of you want your way. You just want to follow God's way. You're susceptible to feelings and emotions. You, when, when you get around a manipulator, this is a button that it, it, you just you guard your feelings, your emotions. You're, you're afraid to share what you really feel uh, for fear that you'll be judged. Uh, I grew up in a neighborhood where boys did not cry. And uh, so I lived my whole life, uh, you know, withholding emotions that were authentic and genuine to me. And quite frankly... Uh, to me, when in, in, in John chapter 11, 35, the Bible says Jesus wept. That's all I needed. If Jesus wept, I can weep. We have feelings. We have emotions. And, and that is perceived, again, as weakness. And, and it makes some people uncomfortable, especially manipulators, because they don't want tears and they don't want any threats back. They just want you to acquiesce to whatever it is they're saying. Sometimes you need to speak up, you need to be honest, but you need to be kind always. You never, and, and I, you know, I wish I was better at this because sometimes I have a policy in my life, you won't yell at me. I grew up in a very vocal home. I have a no yell policy, and as a, I get very 
bent out of shape when somebody starts yelling. You know, if you want to make a point with me, you want to make a statement, you see this is a defense of manipulation and of manipulators. Manipulators are often known if they can't get you with their intelligence, and oftentimes they're very intelligent. If they can't seduce you with an intelligent argument, then they will threaten you. If that doesn't work, then they'll raise their voice to you. And so you have to be aware of these things, these signs, and say, you know, in a moment I'm going to tell you how to do this, but you've got to be aware of it. And I, I, I found myself on both sides of this. I, I mean, I'd love to tell you I've never been a manipulator, but I have. I'd love to tell you I've never been manipulated, but come to find out I have. And, and now, so as I studied this, I went, I want to I do one thing with every question, every conversation. I want to ask myself, where is this going? What's our goal? Is your goal to punish me? You want to you punish me? Is your goal to create a better relationship? Well, what, what, what's our goal here in the conversation we're having? With my wife, with my kids. I just want to know, you know, is your goal to tell me how bad I am? So tell me when you're done. And I'll say, thank you for sharing. I love you. And uh, we'll talk again. But please let me know. Because sometimes hurting people have a tendency to want to hurt people. You see what I'm saying? Now, if, if you really care about someone and you're sharing something that needs to be shared, the tear should be in your eye, not in the eye of the hearer. I really didn't want to say this, but please understand that. Because the reality is, and, and I say this, I mean, I'm guilty of all the above. And, and, you know, God is so gracious and so kind to not let me die in that condition. To let me live in a condition where I can now navigate and, and make decisions uh, that, that I feel are suitable to me. They may not be suitable to everybody else. And, you know, I mean, I remember when I started the first, my first church on Wednesday nights, uh, here's how I dressed down. Sundays I wore a suit. On Wednesday nights I wore a sport coat and a tie. And you know why I did? Because that was what society, church society demanded back then. Until finally somebody went, whoever created a tie should be hung by one. Sorry, but that's, this is bad as shaving your legs. That's what I've been told. And so, you know, and so I thought, I, I'm not a suit guy. I, I'm just not a suit guy. And, and I can wear them, and I, I understand there are appropriate times for them. But I did it. I did it not because it was me. I did it because I was preaching to people that I thought expected it. And then I started looking in the audience, and 90% didn't wear suits. I thought, I'm the idiot. They're not. You see what I'm saying? And so you question everything you do, not in a way of, of I'm lacking confidence or wrong. I just want to make sure that, that I am, I, I, I know why I'm doing what I'm doing and, and that the motive in the, is pure. Okay, the motive is pure. And a lot of people dress funky just for shock value they just, or they want to be noticed. But, but I, you know, I mean, I, I just want us to, to be us. You know, some people ask, they've never been to church, they're afraid to come to church, not because of God, but I've heard this more times than I can count, I don't have anything to wear, because their perception has been that church, you have to dress up. You see what I'm saying? And so, uh, you know, we need to be us and let people be them, and we will disagree, and that's okay. But if your goal in life is to be liked, not even Jesus had that success.
And you know why he didn't? Because it wasn't his goal. Then lastly, people who are easily manipulated have no ability to say no. You need to learn to say no. The ability to say no is perhaps the greatest gift a parent has. How many of us have parents that everybody else gets to go? Where did they learn to manipulate so early? Well, they get to color their hair that color. They get to wear their hair that way. They go, eh, eh, eh. And, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't let them, but if, if you have a reason and you go, well, you know, it's just no. And, you know, and, and someday they might thank you. You know, I used to tell my kids, you're going to be home by midnight. And they'd say, why? Because nothing good happens after midnight. Come on, name something good. Like, well, I led somebody to Jesus at 2 in the morning. When have you ever heard that? Has anybody had a kid come home and say, Mom, thank you for letting me stay out until 2? I led somebody to Jesus at 1.30 or they would have gone to hell. He's a grandpa. I am all those things. I still stand by that truth. Nothing good happens after midnight. And someday your parents will go when they missed out on getting arrested at 1 with everybody else. Now, you're sorry for the other parents, but you're rejoicing that yours didn't. It's the way it is. So, I'm going to close with these thoughts. This is the way to say no with grace. And why, is, why am I talking about saying no? Because your disease to please, your approval addiction will require of you to learn how to say no when you don't want to, when you know it might cost you a friend, and they're really not a friend if it costs you a friend. But you need these words. Number one, I understand that you want me to do this work for you, but your threats are not going to be effective anymore. Never have to raise your voice. Now, honestly, I have a policy. If somebody calls me on the phone, yells at me, my typical normal policy is just to hang up. And I know that sounds rude, and it's not ultimately the best, or you can escalate to the point of telling them you will not talk to me this way. That's called functional. It's dysfunctional when you allow someone to talk to you the way Jesus would not talk to you. That makes sense? Not a lot of amens. I felt like maybe we were somewhere we're not. Number two, I understand that you want me to be want me to go with you tomorrow, but Giving me the silent treatment and ignoring me is not going to be effective. You don't, you're not saying no. You see what I'm saying? You're not saying no. You're saying the silent treatment that I'm experiencing right now and overnight is not going to be effective any longer. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I mean, there are people that want to get their way all the time. And when not, they will resort to some of these manipulative tactics. And number three... I understand that you wish I would do what you want, but your anger, swearing, and fist pounding are not going to. This is a, in a partial defense of a manipulator. They don't even realize they're doing it because they've done it so long. So what you're saying to them is, I'm identifying your behavior. You're yelling, swearing, and fist pounding. And they go, oh, wow. And I'm just being honest with you. Some of them don't even realize it because they've done it their whole life. 
So the no in that moment becomes educational versus correctional. It, you, you, you know, it, you're informing them of a behavior that is not healthy for your relationship. Because there are people who get off on using you to make themselves feel better by telling you how bad you are, and it makes them feel good about who they are, even though they know they're not being true to themselves. A healthy relationship is a relationship that cares more about us than me or you. And if all somebody does is tell you what you're doing wrong, that's probably not a healthy relationship. If that's all they ever do is tell you what you're doing wrong. When's the last time they told you something you were doing right? When's the last time they said something to you that just appreciated you? So proud of you. You're doing really well. Let me tell you, it takes about 10 you're doing really wells for a person to absorb one, you suck. Did you, did you get that? I wasn't sure because all the air was sucked out of the auditorium. But you really need to exhort, encourage, and love if you ever hope to have a platform to help somebody. Because if all you're ever doing is pointing out somebody else's flaws and somebody else's wrong done, and you're pointing out all of their issues, there's a really good chance you have the greater issue. And I lived a pretty successful life at that, not proud to say. And when I got healed and restored, I said, I am finished trying to run everybody else's life because I don't have much success at running my own. It takes all of my waking hours to take care of my own business. And if I'm taking care of your business, who's taking care of mine? I've got enough of my own. If you ask me a question, I'd be glad to weigh in. But if you don't ask me a question, all I'm doing is throwing an unsolicited opinion at you. And that's probably going to bounce off your soul because you didn't ask for it. So sometimes, why don't you just not give an opinion if you're not asked? Because that's where most relationships go south is you feel like you feel so compelled to make sure everybody else's life is what you think it should be instead of living your life and managing your business. I am set. Now listen, because I've done this for a long time. Being a pastor may be the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Because when I faced thousands, I faced thousands of different opinions about me, about God, about the Bible, about everything. Unfortunately, in church, there are a lot of people who feel like those opinions are why they came. And you listen, and you listen, and you listen. 
finally, over the years, I felt like the Lord said, you know, you have opened yourself up to conversations you should have never had. And you know why you do it? Because you want to please or convince the person that's having the conversation with you. You want to please them. You want them to like you. You want them to be around you. You want to be around them. God knows why. But that's why you do it, because you want them to like you. I don't have conversations anymore that I feel like are anything but productive. If they're punitive, I don't have them. If somebody calls and wants to talk to me, I want to know why. Because if you don't tell me why, I'm not talking to you. Because if your idea is to get me in a corner, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it is, you're not getting me in a corner. Done. You know why? You ain't my mama and you ain't my daddy. You're valuable and you have value and you need to know your self-worth. And you know what? As I said, if somebody really loves you, the last thing they want to do is hurt you. Folks, we've got to do a better job of painting a Christ-like picture to a society that is beating each other up. God so loved the world. He didn't say, God loved the world and he sent, a, he sent an email. Y'all better straighten up or y'all going to hell. Let me just tell you right now, you're acting like a bunch of idiots and it began with your, your great, great, great grandmother Eve and she ate from the tree I told her not to. And I'm just telling you, if y'all don't straighten up, I'm going to wipe all of you out. You got that? You ain't going to stand a chance. I'll start over because I'm God. I can. Y'all can just go to hell. Now, you got that? Okay, straighten up. Because that's exactly how stupid it is when somebody comes to you and starts telling you, let me tell you all something. You don't straighten up, I'm out. There's one thing to say. I love you, I really do. And, you know, it's not you. It's my own convictions or my own purpose in life. You know, nothing really, if you think about what you've had to go through, you can blame other people, but you're the one. So you can get mad at somebody, but you gave them the power and control to hurt. I'm meddling. Let's close. God, thank you so much for loving us so much that you didn't send a, a son of correction. You sent a son of salvation. Jesus didn't come into the world to correct the world, but he came into the world so that the world might be saved. So, Lord, I pray for those today who have lived their whole lives in fear of not being liked, not being wanted, not being appreciated, not being valued, and to get around the same people time and time again, and they feel devalued. Maybe it's time to say no. It's not going to work anymore. Now, Lord, I'm not trying to separate anybody. I'm trying to get people to understand. Let's repent and create relationships that are healthy. But Lord, it begins with you and accepting you. Maybe today you have not accepted Christ, heads bowed, eyes closed. I just want you to take a moment, and I just want you to, to look at yourself and go, man, do I really know Jesus? Am I really a follower of Christ? I want to pray a prayer right now. I want to ask everyone watching online, everyone in here to pray this prayer with me. Pray it with me. Say, Father God, 
Thank you for sending your only begotten son to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my for all the things I've done. Today, God, I give you my life. Amen.